When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Psychic Josh. He's looking resplendent in um, his his uh, home, which does look, as our guest pointed out, I'll just I guess in a minute, but as our guest pointed out, it does look like he's in the middle of Soho House. It's a kind of lavish setting, Josh. How are you? It's very kind. Uh, my wife will be delighted, uh, Rosie, with the praise that you have given the room in the house that we designed. And uh, yeah, this was a garage until about four months ago, and then we wow. turned it into a little office. So... That's great, Boydo. But you're wearing a lovely T-shirt, which I think is a is that Thank homage you. to Anfield '89. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it's a little T-shirt. I'm just going to show our guest. There we go. It's a little T-shirt um, depicting in graphic form Michael Thomas's goal in 1989 against Liverpool, um, which was sent to me very kindly by HansonDesign.uk. Uh, they're not paying me for this. Um, it's, it's genuine. They do genuine independent design football T-shirts, and they've got a little business going during lockdown and um and i really like it yeah it's good isn't it boys josh you've misunderstood the nature of getting adverts on podcasts we're supposed to get paid for this stuff, i know, I know. you've just gone straight in giving this away I, I, i'm helping and the little and why i'm helping the little man. why am i not you can advertise right. it. i tell them size large and send them my address I, now that i've done this they'll get you one no doubt anyway let's stop messing Brilliant. about and introduce our glorious very special guest the legend that is one of the pioneers of this podcast, Ben Winston. Hello, Ben. Hello, Live Bob. from LA. Hello, Boyd. Hello, Josh. Um, what, a, what a joy to be here with you. What? It's brilliant to see you on the now, Can on the I Zoom. just check something? Can I check something? Yeah. We obviously can see each other on this Zoom. You don't do like a YouTube version of this, right? This is no, only, no. This, is, listen, this is audio only. Oh, audio only. You could be naked and it'll be fine. So... For our listeners who are now four minutes in, we've referred to Josh's house that they can't see <laughs> yeah. and your T-shirt that they yeah. can't see. I will right. post a picture of the T-shirt. However, we'll... okay, which is yeah. a bit of an odd we'll... choice considering it's audio only, right? Yeah. You're sort of leaving out your audience slightly. Nit- nitpicking. Producing as ever. Ben, we should help. point out, produce, one of the most extraordinarily successful producer-director people in the world, um, um, except producer on the Late Late Show, James Corden. 
among many others. Um, I was going to ask you, actually, Ben, considering now Donald Trump is no more, I mean, well, I mean, he's no longer president. A, do you have a feel, a great feeling like a huge weight has been lifted on your shoulders living in America as you do, almost like when Unai Emery was sacked from Arsenal? <laughs> um, there is no comparison to this. <laughs> no. No. Emery was much more, much more of a moment. No. Anyway, keep going. Finish yeah. your question. Yeah. Um, and also, does it make the monologue, the jokes? I mean, it's still in the news a lot, obviously, with the with the impeachment. But from now on, do you think it'll be harder to do the monologue, to come up with jokes about the new current president, who's less of a complete and utter absolute moron than the previous one? No, it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Oh, good. It, okay. It's as freeing as it has been. I, I, I can't... I, it, it's it's a really good question. Obviously, so so for those who don't know, I I run the Late Late Show with James Corden. We do a show every night on CBS, which is a big old it's the number one network in America. And every every show starts with a monologue about the day's news. And uh, being in the cycle of Trump and having to listen to what he was saying and reading what he was doing and seeing the influence he was having on so many people and having to make jokes about it. Um, Although it gave you a lot of news fodder and people would say, oh, you must be having such a great time making jokes about Trump. There was an underlying depressing um, feeling to it every single day being confronted by his nonsense. And it actually got you, you didn't even realize it, but it was like, it's like a humming noise in your ear. And then when that humming noise turns off, when that yeah. drill outside your house turns off, there's a real, there's a peacefulness that is so wonderful. And we have had the most wonderful three weeks on the show where like, even though there is Donald Trump stories out there, oh, he's doing this, he's doing that, impeachment this, con conviction that, often we'll be in our monologue meeting and we'll be like, let's just lose that whole story. Let's just lose it. Wow. Let's, wow. Actually, let's actually make jokes about the KFC bucket where all the chicken was shaped like a penis. Let's just do, <laughs> like, let's, the relief yeah. that I think people like us feel right now that we don't have to spend time on such a poisonous feeling i can't tell you how liberating it is and more than that funny equally bizarrely equally relief was the twitter ban because of course mm. the twitter ban has meant that he has no access to being able to give quotes we we can't and, and we would have to be responding to his twitter feed even though he wasn't president right. and there would be two presidents there'd be the president who was the real president and then there'd be the twitter president of the right wing and we would have to be talking about how crazy he spelt that wrong or how crazy he said this about Biden. And the fact that Twitter silenced him, whether that's wrong or right, it's been amazing. And I've sensed a real joy amongst uh, everybody who works on yeah. the show since it happened. That's interesting because I do think one, uh, we will get on to, to Arsenal in a minute, honestly. But I do think, because when the Twitter ban happened, obviously there's the whole free speech issue. But of course, it's a private company, Twitter. They're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want to do, aren't they? They can stop people. And, and I think the, it has meant, I think mental health, people's mental health has increased, has gone for the better now that that man is off Twitter, is off social media. I think it just, it just, I, I feel like, you know, a certain amount of weight has gone off my shoulders. I feel I don't have to, much less brain space is occupied by his insanity day in, day out. And I think that's beneficial to everyone. I think it's a side, already to me, from the outside, American society feels slightly less divisive than it was, you know, six months ago. Well, um, I think everybody's, I think truthfully, everyone just can return to their corners. I don't yeah. think America is yeah. any less divisive, but mm. I think that when there's an election going on and Twitter is full of bile and there was the Capitol riots and there was all those things that were going on, ultimately, 
every like of course things have simmered because they would do after any fight it still doesn't mean that you don't feel one way or the other yeah. but but for us specifically as a show you know there was a story the other day and james just went why are we talking about it i was like he's just a guy he's a guy who used to be the president and in the same way that we're not doing Bill Clinton or George Bush stories, we shouldn't be doing this story. And actually, yeah. we, we, we love a show now where his name doesn't come up. And we are making a real effort that unless there is something that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it, I would say in the last 10 shows that we've done, I say his name's come up twice. And, and that is brilliant for us. Now, there's other shows like Stephen Colbert and John Oliver and, and, and Seth Meyers that lean far more into the politics than, than we ever did. Um, but I, but, and I think they maybe will have benefited from the tumultuous feeling in politics that's been going on in America because that's what their show is. But for us, even though we've, you know, you could say we've done well on it. You know, there was a song we did recently, One More Day, that was millions of people watched, or there's stuff that we've done on Trump in the past that's been high rated. We would much prefer to not be doing it. And so therefore, the fact that we don't have to, the fact that he's been banned from Twitter, the fact that he's just stewing right now in Florida, playing golf every day, angry that he's no longer the center of attention. It's just wonderful that he's just a guy. And that is a relief. Yeah, I can't I tell bet. you what a relief it is. I bet, yeah. And I I've love been, Joe Biden. Yeah, I like Joe. I, I didn't, initially I was worried about perfect him, but I think he's, he's the perfect for this, right this perfect man for today. Yeah, I agree with that. He's yeah. the perfect man for today. Is yeah. he going to be remembered as one of the great presidents of all time? I don't know, but he is literally the, per- he was the perfect yeah. man to defeat Donald Trump, genuinely the perfect, because he, yeah. he, he managed to attract enough voters who were Republicans to be able to beat Trump. And he's the perfect man who isn't the centre of attention. He doesn't care about his legacy. He just wants to get on with the job. He wants to get vaccines in arms. He just wants to be the president for today without any ego. And it's perfect for what we need, what this country needs right now. Yeah, agreed. Look at this on an Arsenal podcast. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. You, you, do, you should bear in mind that my, one of my greatest days ever was um, when I got to spend a day with you at the at the show, the Late Late Show, um, oh, behind the scenes. Kind. It was literally one of the best days of my life because I've been obsessed with American talk shows my entire life since, you know, since I was watching Letterman aged 18 in America. So, yeah. Um, it is an obsession. Um, anyway, Josh, what are you going to say? Well, only that we usually go on different tangents when we don't want to talk about yet another Arsenal defeat. And for the first time in three years, we've got a player who scored a hat-trick um, and we've scored, we scored four at home, which we should give some credit to. And also, I thought it was interesting, you've got Donald Trump, who wants to be on Twitter and isn't, and you've got our manager, Mikel Arteta, who only a few weeks ago um, thought that he wasn't on Twitter, despite his one and a half million um, mm. followers, and said that he isn't keeping up to date um, on what's going on with Twitter. I think that was a question about Mesut Ozil. Have you unfollowed Ozil, uh, Ben and Boyd, since he's left, or have you kept following him on social media? I haven't unfollowed, no, but I haven't seen him posting with him. Uh, has he posted much? I, yeah, yeah, he, loves, but, yeah, he loves a cartoon. He loves oh, a cartoon of himself in a Fernabache outfit. <laughs> I, I would never, I would never unfollow him. I think he no. was treated badly by the football club. I think, uh, I think that, um, well, we'll get onto it soon, but I'm I'm not in the camp of good riddance. I'm in the I'm in the camp of what a waste. And if you're going to have somebody with that much ability and you're going to pay him 350 grand a week, then to not make the best out of him is a fault of the clubs. You know, ultimately, you know, great teams, great managers get their best out of the players with the most talent. And I think that I'm not saying he's not a complicated character. I'm not saying he's not difficult to manage. I'm not saying that he's faultless, not in any way. He's full of fault. But ultimately, you have to say 
that you want your managers to get the best out of all of that squad and and the tools that they have. And we didn't when it comes to Ozil. We didn't when it came to Gendouzi. Um, and so that's a real shame. That's not. I'm not being overly critical of Arteta. I think he's. You know, I think there's wonderful things that Arteta is doing. But if you have a precious player who's worth 350 grand a week, and he if if we thought he was worth 350 grand a week a year before we dropped him, then we can't no longer. You know, we we can't be putting him in the in the youth team or the reserves and and, and thinking that's good management. I have to say, of all the things, uh, even less likely than a discussion about Donald Trump was one about <laughs> Ozil at this stage in the uh, in the proceedings. But fine, that's fine. Um, I mean, he was in decline, though, wasn't he, as, as a force? I mean, independent of, you know, uh, uh, the fact that Arteta, Freddie Lundberg, you know, Emery all had difficulty with him, didn't they? In the end, they all ended up rejecting him as a, as an on-field presence. That has to be, you know, and, and I think he was in decline. So I don't feel, I don't feel, I personally feel like, not good riddance, but I feel like it's, an, it's a bit of an irrelevance. It's a bit like Donald Trump. It's like, why, why am I, I don't need to worry about him anymore. I don't need to think maybe, about him. But then I, maybe, but I think, look, here's the truth of it. I think that managers often come into clubs and want to make examples of the players that misbehave. And I think when you are winning football matches and you're winning trophies, that seems like a really smart decision. But when you're 10th and you're on a run of five <laughs> defeats, uh, I'm actually not sure it is as smart. And I actually think that then it seems like a weakness rather than a strength. That's all I'm saying. I think that, you know, it's a shame not, none of us know the ins and outs of it. Clearly, there was a clique there that were misbehaving. Uh, Kalasanak, Genduzi, you know, Ozil, they're obviously a gang of mates who I don't think uh, behaved in the right way. And I think that, you know, Arteta did what he feel was right. We don't know the ins and outs of it, so we have to say, okay. But ultimately, if you're winning matches, no one cares. But if you're Mm. losing matches and you're 10th, then you have to go, well, hold on a sec. Are we sure we're right to be playing this player over that one? Are we sure that, you know, Mesut Ozil can't cut through a Wolves team or a Villa team uh, where Willian's clearly Mm. coming up? I'll say that, yeah. Will, I mean, I'd rather have seen him than William. That's that's for sure. That's hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, the fact that we're paying somebody, a player like William, two hundred and twenty grand a week, or whatever we, whatever the truth is of what we're paying him, it, it seems um, bonkers. But there are lots of positives, and we shouldn't we shouldn't yeah. dwell on. Yeah, let's. For, for you, you brought it up. To be fair, you said, "Are you still following Ozil on Twitter?" Josh so, brought it up. Josh brought it up. Yeah, I was looking at we, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At we, we were just talking about about Twitter there, and, and Trump wanting to be on it, and I was just uh, just wondering there if you've uh, still kept following, but it's because you don't follow that many people. You, do you unfollow all ex-players? You make sure. a living off ex-footballers, Bear. That's what you do yeah. for a life. You're <laughs> a very good point. Footballer, hang Why on, you unfollow. Yeah, Mustafi, you... have you kept following? Mustafi's gone. Sorry, I haven't, I'm got, not the, I haven't got the. I'm, I'm with Ben on this one. I haven't got the. Um, I don't know, like the, the space in my head to bother unfollowing people, even Mustafi. Look, it's not I like follow, Sky Sports News. Yellow ticker was going Mustafi, and I was all oh, quick, quick. It was just like next time I saw him posting about how excited he is for Schalke's game on Saturday. I was all right. At this point, I'm going to let yeah. you crack on. Who are you so excited about following? I still follow Debushi and Gabriel Palista. <laughs> I mean, oh, Debushi I mean, was if, great value. If, if, if yeah. the Beast, if Baptiste was on Twitter or Instagram, <laughs> I'd still be following him. Yeah, yeah. I'm loyal to ex-players. If you've done time Same. and you've done service at our football club, then you'll always have my follow. While we're on, now, now that we're on social media, I have to talk about the the Insta. I mean, it's Instagram is a much more revealing thing, isn't it? Anyway, than Twitter, certainly. Like, I'm obsessed with Orba's Instagram. It's a constant source 
of joy to me because I even even when he was going through this bad time recently, when he was mysteriously you know having family issues, he was still posting videos of him having a right old time, having a laugh, you know, <laughs> and um, like you know in the dressing room and making fun and playing jokes on the other players. I think it, it's a, it's a constant source. But the one video that did emerge, I can't believe I've gone to this already, but the one video that did emerge was Saliba taking. Did you have you seen this? Taking this happened last week about the day after we the podcast went out. And suddenly footage of Saliba having filmed his French under-23 teammate from, I think, two or three years ago, playing with himself is the only way. Well, there's lots of ways of describing it. Yeah. So, ben, I can't believe you're not aware of this. In On a video, naked, watching something on his phone, this mate of, of um, Saliba, Saliba sitting next to him, having a right old t- tug. And it was there, and, and Saliba got into loads of shit for it. Got big homophobic abuse. It was ridiculous. It was an absolutely ridiculous little moment in social media um, history. But it was completely bizarre, yeah, to see. It, but it was the guy next to him that was the one, it was the issue for me. Not Saliba did anything wrong. Saliba just noticed it and took a video of it, didn't he, Josh? You put it on it the wasn't mention, a, by the way. <laughs> It was an unusual um, video. I wasn't sure if you were, you were going to mention this or, or not. But this was like three years ago. It's, it's a strange old piece of, of content, let's say, that um, managed against public domain. Um, but I, w- I was more going to mention it in the, in the frame of saying that Saliba um, also made some comments about Mikel Arteta, um, which I thought were possibly just worth bringing up. I don't know if you want to um, do it yeah. now. I was while, while Ben's looking for the video. I was going to defend the um, defend the defense Libra a bit on this one because he's a night. He's what nineteen, isn't he? And he's interviewed. He's doing well apparently for Nice, playing really well. I think he had another really good game at the weekend. And um, he's interviewed obviously on TV. And what's he going to say? You know, when asked, you know, do you do you you know are you what do you think about the, your, the fact that you haven't had much chance to answer? He said, oh, you know, the manager judged me on two and a half games. Well, that's factually true, isn't it? I think you know, I don't think I, I, I don't think he was even trying to slag off Arteta. He's not that stupid. I, I just think he was explaining that he hasn't had that many games that he hasn't been you know he hasn't had that much of an opportunity, which is clearly factually true. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I agree. I think if you read the words rather than the headlines, the word was. He judged me on two and a half matches. I would have liked to have played. Uh, I would have liked him to have played me more, but he told me I wasn't ready. I was waiting for him to give me a chance. But football's like that. When I initially came to Arsenal, the league looked very good, so I showed up to training and wanted to train on my own to show the coach I was ready. I'm happy now. I want to play for Nice. The idea of when you're part of a team is a better feeling for me. I feel like, yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, fair I enough. Don't think you can dispute with any no, of that, really. No. no um, Have you seen the video yet? The uh... I haven't seen the video. Okay. No, I'm, it's, I'm not. It is not extreme. It's extraordinary. Yeah. I'll search for the thing. The thing. The only thing I'm going to say about it. Only it was on Josh's menu. Um, uh, is that it's the guy. It's it, clearly behaviour in the French under twenty three dressing room. You can have a wank if you want in the middle in the middle of the dressing room. Hey. And now that's an island, you know. So wonderful. There wonderful. you go. I can assure you, it's definitely not like that in the um, in the monologue meetings at the late late show with James. No. Cooley. Much no, no, no one, no one does that. No. Anyway, let's talk about this the the the, the game because I actually thought the I thought it was one of our best performances for a, a long, long time. Just and I thought the tactics, so the team selection, picking Aubameyang, Aubameyang back with um, you know the creative little little group of creative players, Saka, Emil Smith Rowe, and Odegaard behind him. Odegaard in the middle. Emil Smith Rowe did really well slightly wider than he knew. I just thought that was a really good. I thought that worked really well. I was it was a kind of a joy to see. And if I may say. Slightly reminiscent of uh, peak Wenger period Arsenal in just the terms. It looked like creativity was back. You know, it's in our forward line. I thought it was really impressive. Ben? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was... 
funnily enough, when you look at those four goals, I would say those four, you couldn't have asked for a better four goals for us for different reasons. The fact that Aubameyang gets a hat-trick when he's been really up and down, mostly down, in yeah. the last three or four months. Because let's not forget, before he, as you say, went missing due to the family issues that he's clearly having, there was a really just, I found just watching him bizarre ever since he signed his new contract. There was clearly, in a way, when this whole family issue came up, it was a relief in a way for us because we were like, well, at least we know mm. there's a reason why he's been so unbearably poor. And there, it sort of just was like, oh, okay, there's something that we don't know about that he's been dealing with and he hasn't. And he's such a confidence player. You can see it from the way he plays with a smile on his face. You can see every striker, they just need arrogance, like, Passing through their veins, and so therefore, so 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 him having that back is brilliant. Getting a hat trick, yes, it's been nice seeing him get the odd goal as we have in the you know recently. But him having such a rampant hat trick, and the way it came was fantastic. That's I think yeah. going to be great for us going forward. And as for that third goal, I was like, I couldn't have thought of a of a better goal in a way. Ober at Saka just being incredible. Um, Bellerin, who I love, who I just think uh, epitomizes what you want the modern footballer to be in a way. Uh, Ceballos was calm. Emma was incredible. Saka's a genius. Oba providing it. I just thought, like, literally, if you could have written a goal to be scored, uh, I-, I just loved it. And and so, look, it was a worry that we had to concede to and suddenly get nervous near the end. Of course it was. And that was her frustration because you want a clean sheet. But actually, we've had a lot of clean sheets. I think it was our first... Not clean sheets since uh, at Highbury at uh, Highbury at uh, the <laughs> Emirates. Yeah, since, since at home, since Chelsea, right? Yeah, yeah, right. In the league, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I we've think we've got the that, second best. We've got the second, third best defense. Third in the best league. defense. Yeah. yeah, no. So, so I think that you know, ultimately, it was those four goals were crucial, and mm. I think that'll be great for us going forward because it's a confidence game. You look. You know, we lose. How many did we lose on a bounce? Five on a. You know, we we couldn't get a win for love nor money. Then we go on a great run, and you worry after those two games against Villa and Wolves that we're going to go mm. on a spiral again. Yeah. Um, so I think that to be as rampant as we were, and for those goal scorers to to score, I think it was great for us. And uh, I, I, you're right, I agree. And I think the because the, the Wolves game, I thought we were very unlucky. I thought we played really well in that first half, and the whole the, send, the double jeopardy of the sending off and the um, penalty. Seemed felt unfair, and then we, you know, we went on to lose that game, and then we gave a goal away in the first ninety seconds in the Villa game again, which you know we can't, we couldn't recover from. So imagine if we'd have won those games, we'd have been on the same number of points as fucking Liverpool. But that's, but that's what's annoying. Yeah, we yeah. should have won those games. It's yeah. frustrating because, yeah, I mean, there's a thin line between success and failure. Like when we're on a run, people forget that you're tenth, and we're like, hey, we're winning, isn't it great? <laughs> And yeah. then suddenly you lose two games and it's the depth of despair. And so therefore, I think when anybody's judging this season, it's sort of, you know, you have to, it is a thin line. We just, we just let ourselves down too often. Go on, Bear, you were going to say something and I interrupted you, I think. No, only that, um, you know, it, it's been thin, thin margins, even with what feels like a season where we've had such a large chunk of it where, you know, there's doom and gloom and Boyd's calling for Arteta's head in December. No, did not call like, for his head. Where, Wow. Oh, come on, boy. Oh, yeah. Fuck up. Boy, and you remember, we, 
that podcast where we had was it Nick and Graham and we just lost them. They called like, for his head. Yeah, yeah. We, the two guys in their fifties going, you know, you know, all respect. <laughs> and I love the both of them, but going, this is as bad as it's ever been. It's going to get worse. We're in danger of, you know, ending up at the foot of the table, and you know, we're not too good to go. You know, I mean, that feels like a world away, right? And and it is bizarre that you know Tottenham are a couple of points ahead of us. You've got Chelsea, five points, Liverpool, six points we could have so easily found ourselves like in amongst it. And it's not impossible. I just think there's too many games that are, we're not going to win left in the season to really make it into Europe um, through the league. But, you know, it, you know, when, when you're falling up at home and it, I mean, if it, I don't know the last time we were falling up in a game, it, you know, in a league game, it feels like an exceptionally long time. I did look up the last time we got a hat trick. Do you know the last Arsenal player to get a hat trick in the league, Boyd? Oh, Aaron Ramsey. It was Aaron Ramsey uh, against uh, against Everton, uh, February 2018. Still got so it, guys. Like... I may live in LA, but I've still Amazing. got it, guys. Yeah. Very good. So, Very good. <laughs> you know, that's just like, you know, it, it, it warms our hearts again. And, you know, you just get these moments of just thinking, well, you know, we can, we can do it, you know, on our day. But I think if ever there was a game where we were probably going to get some goals, it was against the Leeds team who everyone said it, they're so entertaining to watch and they have a go. And, you know, it, it was set up to be a good game and, and we did our part, which was, which was great. Yeah. I think, you, you, I think Leeds are the perfect team for us to play, but having yeah. said that, not a lot, a lot of teams play Leeds and aren't that, didn't, don't play as well as we did in that, in that game, and particularly in the first half, and even, the, you know, the first kind of 10, 15 minutes of the second half. Even, to be honest, even when they, when Leeds are always going to score against you, they, you know, they score against most teams, they do really well against most teams, even, even when it was 4-2, and we were shitting ourselves, and we're thinking about the Newcastle, the famous Newcastle game, where they came back from 4-0 to draw I was four. there, boys. It was, yeah, a, it was a dreadful day in the away. I remember, yeah, I remember. Um, and they mentioned it on the TV, on the, on the commentary on TV. I was like... It's still we still played really well, but Ben, the the difference between that when we lost all those games in a row, the downward spiral period of um, what you know, it was barely what eight weeks ago or something, and now is incredible, isn't it? Like we couldn't even advance the ball up the pitch back then, like when Alba was playing terribly. But I felt sorry for him because no one was getting the ball anywhere near to him. Everyone was kind of isolated. It was there was no attacking unity of any kind in that in that period whereas now i feel like we're playing fast fluid even when we even when we lost those couple of games we're still playing fairly fast fluid football attractive football and the, and i and i and i put a lot of that down to emil smith row emil smith row coming in and helping to knit together that uh, that front line before he came in we were still playing pretty mediocre football even if we we're kind of get just about scraping by but since he's come in and I think every, he's given the whole team a lift, and I think it's a huge amount of credit has to go for him. And uh, Josh, of course, thought he would be wouldn't play that much for the rest of this season. I thought he would play most games, and he's still picking him pretty much every game. I think it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's great to see. It's great to see a young English player doing so well in our team. I mean, I would give slight, and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from him because I think he's been phenomenal. But I think the turning, I think the turn was actually more down to tyranny and Saka. Because I think that those two flooding forward were, and I think, and I think you could the fact that Tierney's been out in those last two games has had a huge impact actually. And it's funny to think a left back and a, mm. and a, and a right sided player could affect you so much, whereas the bigger players like Lacazette and Aubameyang aren't the ones. But but um, yeah, I think that that attacking threat down the wing has been amazing for us. And and whereas Cedric and uh, Willian are just such a different kettle of fish when it comes to. Uh, when it comes to that. 
but also it's just a confidence game, isn't it? Like you know, we say this a lot, but it's it's when mm-hmm. when you when you're on top, when you're on fire, you feel indestructible, and that's what we've been like um, in those games where we've been doing really well. Um, but I listen. I found that di- downward spiral unbearably disappointing because I think I yeah. looked at it and I and I would say, and I know people would disagree with me on this, but I would say this is the best squad Arsenal have had in many, many, many years. I do. I you think said that, yeah, you said that the last time you were on the podcast. I think this. I think there is strength and depth like we've never had. I think there are choices all over the park that we've never had. I think there's the combination between the experienced players and the youngsters coming through that I don't see that we've ever had. I think there is a lot less mediocre than we've ever had. And every, you know, we've been crying out for a goalkeeper like Leno for years. We were crying out for a striker like Aubameyang. A midfielder, Ceballos, just excites me every time he plays. Zaka's finally playing well. Youngsters like Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe coming through that just feel great. Um, So I think there's a lot to be positive about. I think they've just got to... uh, I think we're showing how hard it is to finish in the top four. And I think that there's a few yeah, It's a really hard who, league now, isn't it? Yeah, particularly in this no, week. No, I don't think it's harder now. I think it's probably easier now than it was when Wenger was finishing in the top four. No, yeah, no way. I think there's a lot more mediocrity. No. Of course there is. There's a lot more mediocrity. Look at the teams right now. There's anybody could win the league right now. No, but that's this season, though. That's this season. Yeah, it's that's, wide what, open. That's, that's football. That's what, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, but I don't think anybody... I don't think... I think, I, think, I, think, I, think I think we're miles away from the great... Man United teams that Wenger came up against and then the Chelsea money that was dominant and then the City money that was dominant when those owners came in and they were incredibly excited and they just spunked a load of cash everywhere. Now, I don't see that happening as much. And I think this is an easy... I think this is... a. I think we're showing by West Ham being fifth and Leicester being so high up and, you know, Villa having great runs. I think think I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I think it was much harder in those days. And I think that we're seeing... How, how ungrateful people were back in 2015 <laughs> and 2016. And when we were finishing fourth and third and second, and everyone was like, we're not, we're not, we're not about finishing fourth. We're not about finishing third. Vega out because we only want to, fi- you know, we want to win it or nothing. Those same people now are going, oh, yeah, I know we're 10th, but Arteta, it's the future. And anything that goes wrong, it's like, well, it's because you know, Wenger left them with nothing. Let's not forget the squad that he won the FA Cup with. We could go through that squad in 2016. It's an appalling squad. So we have a better squad now than we've ever got. And and, and we need to be doing better. But I do hope some of those people, and some of them I would debate with on this podcast, <laughs> who would all go, life is going to be better when we get rid of Wenger. They'll, they'll look at that 20-year run of finishing second, third, and fourth. And as we are very pleased on this podcast today, as we sit in 10th after beating Leeds 4-2, and we're talking about what a wonderful day this is for the football club, I hope they remember that when they said, Wenger out, Wenger out, we're not a team that needs to finish in the top four. I hope they feel a little bit embarrassed today because they should. Well, I don't know who you're talking about. I mean, personally, I was—I never said that. And I, what I did say was Wenger out, Wenger out, because the team, because Arsenal... I mean, if we really want to rehearse this discussion, which you clearly do, it's fine. Then, no, um, you're just saying, no, no, we're no. just talking about how wonderful life is at 10th. Yeah. I yeah. just want to remind you that I was saying well, when we were finishing third and fourth okay. on this podcast, we can speak out. And, yeah. and Dan Baldwin was saying to me, it's a disgrace <laughs> that you're happy with third. You're happy with third. You're happy with fourth. And you were on the fence. You couldn't decide which way to go. And I'm, hey, listen, we've got, we've got, we've got the tapes. Roll the tape. We've got and the ultimately tapes. I was going, I was going, this is a very, very difficult league to be finishing second, third and fourth in. And let's not forget in his like third to last season, he finished second. And people were out to get him because we weren't winning trophies, even though we were winning FA Cups. 
And even though we were in the Champions League every year, and those same people are very quiet right now, and they're talking about well, the they're future. They're not really. And we've tried two different models. We've tried the foreign manager with Unai Emery, who's won things with PSG, and everybody loved him, and playing out from the back, and that didn't work. So now we've gone for the young whippersnapper coach, and he's going to be great. I'm a, I'm, don't get me wrong. This is not me disrespecting Mikel Arteta. I'm delighted that he's at the club. I'm delighted with the fact he's, uh, he's investing in youth and he's giving youth a chance. I wish he would do that more without people like William when you've got Martinelli and Pepe on the bench, but that's another matter. On the whole, he's backing youth and it's working with Tyranny and Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe. But ultimately, I'm just slightly... hope. I just hope that those people... Who, who, who have watched some of our games and see how hard it is to win football matches at this level. Remember how ungrateful they were for a man who gave us 20 years in the top four because they have short memories. I mean, it's a good, it's, it's a good speech, but we, personally speaking, I was very grateful to him. But um, when Arsenal were clearly in decline and, the, and the, the same thing was happening year after year after year and we lost to all the big teams, we couldn't beat one of our rivals for a toffee. We'd losing four, five, six goals to all of them week, every single time we played them. The team in the, la- in the last couple of seasons, particularly the last season, was playing a very boring version of, um, of uh, Wenger's football. It was so tedious. It was so tippy-tappy to no great effect whatsoever. He did have some mediocre players as well. And I think a lot of that's down to him is he bought some very mediocre players um and uh it is much harder of course this was back back then Liverpool finished 10th I think in Klopp's first season now Liverpool of course up until recently the last couple of weeks have been a massive force so you've had Liverpool City Chelsea Man United sometimes I think it is harder now it is harder now and you have to and and, and this season is a season of general madness where things teams big teams lose 7-0 7-1 you know one week you're kind of brilliant the next week you're shit. Liverpool has suddenly lost it. I mean, they've had incredible injuries. So it's just a weird season. But in but the fi- final point I want to make about me personally and the, and the Wenger period is I always said that for me, the problem with the late Wenger period was just the boredom repetitiveness of it. I actually said, if we can get as the in, tapes, as You mean repetitive of the finishing same the thing. League. Yeah, the same. Well, yeah. Until we didn't even do that. Until we couldn't even do that. So then well, you t- didn't yeah. even have the Champions League. It was like maybe a, a FA Cup win, you know, Maybe we were a cup team and we're out falling outside the top the, four. And the football the, was, was was frankly, as if you remember, the football wasn't great either. There was a myth that we we're playing brilliant football. We were not in the la, in the last couple of seasons. And it was just tedious. And so I, I was okay. like, we may well. But when people said, be careful what you wish for, I was like, of course. And we may end up being 10th like Liverpool were in that first season under Klopp. But I wanted some more diff- some excitement. And I've got that. Honestly, this right, period... Is more exciting and interesting as because a fan we, of Because we might get, because you mean yeah. it's exciting because we can yeah. get beaten by Villa yeah. or we get beaten yeah. by Wolves and that be makes honest, it more exciting. It does, yeah. It's what, right. it's what, absolutely. Okay, I thought it's because you wanted to be good and win trophies. I didn't realise it was because well, you as well. And that will come. Games to make that That's such that a weird perspective, Boyd. I didn't know that making well, it exciting was losing games. I see. If that's what you want, I didn't realize. So you wanted Wenger out because you wanted to lose more games well, that's a crass, exciting that's, when you won. <laughs> that's a crass and simplistic summary of why I'm right. But certainly a less predictable thing where actually we now beat the big teams. We can beat a Liverpool. We can beat a Man but United. You, we so can beat... Uh, that's one of the great achievements under this manager is that has improved our record against the big top, top teams infinitely. So by that theory... So you hated the Invincible season because it was just too predictable that we wouldn't lose. Is that, I mean, that's such a strange perspective. Well, no, the difference with the Invincible season was that we were winning championships and we were winning cups at the same time, unlike we were in the last 9, 10, 11, 12 seasons under Arsene Wenger when he, when he, 
he went on the Project Youth thing. It didn't work. He bought into the idea that we couldn't spend any money on players when the Emirates was built, et cetera, et cetera. And in the end, I think he shied away from buying the final players that, that could have turned us into, could have won that that um, league, league when Leicester won that year when we came second. But he didn't have the final, final push, the final confidence to to to, to go for it. And that was a bit annoying. That was a bit sad, wasn't it? That we Do you think it's so better? Well. So, so, so you are happier finishing 10th this season with Arteta than you are... Fifth with Arsene. I'd and certainly say I think I think the finals I'm certainly we were caught finals Champions League and won the FA Cup. So let's not forget when you say, you say yeah, no no hold on I just want to clarify one thing when yeah. you talk about and I might not be right here correct me Josh because you, you if off the top like genuinely in 2016 17 if I'm not wrong we won the FA Cup right that year I think we did and yeah, we finished yeah. fifth and we got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League I'm pretty sure that's in his. So, so that was his penultimate year, which is, I think we'd give our right arms for the Champions League quarterfinal, a fifth finish and an FA Cup win this year. Or am I wrong, Bear? Have I got it wrong? I, I think it was a round of 16. I think, I think that was a Bayern Munich year. But it, 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 in, you know, it, in any event, yeah, you're making the wider point about at least being in the Champions League and knockout stages. But I think it was clear to absolutely everyone wasn't it that Arsenal You're right, round of 16, under Vegas. So are you saying are you saying well, here's my question to you then I'm first of all I'm not saying I, I don't want us to win that obviously I'm so what I'm saying is I'm just saying you've rewritten history no 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 I haven't rewritten history at all I've I've I've, I've stuck to history but what you've rewritten history is clearly that Arsenal were in decline under him he was absolutely contributing to the decline in the tired football that we were playing in the tired approach to the whole team in the lack of investment all of that it was it was a, it was a kind of slow decline into torpor under Arsene Wenger and you can rewrite what you want but that's what happened in the last few seasons under him and it was a bit sad and that will always be there in history you know you won't be able to rewrite the history because the story of Arsene Wenger will be the glorious some of the greatest moments of our love for the club and our greatest moments in the history of the club but ended in a Shakespearean slightly tragic way by this man by, so the, sli- by the slight decline under him and I loved him I loved him of I'm course so I still love him I'm so but confused. it tailored off and are you saying you actually genuinely would still rather he was manager today now is that what you're telling me you still no, even carried I, oh okay well fine no, hold on no but I, I but when you say the slow decline and and how that's a, that tragedy and you're using words like that we're talking about the lowest finish was sixth the lowest finish in his I last know. year the slow decline was sixth the year before was fifth the year before was second the year before was third i could when you your support like with respect, last year we were eighth. This year we'll be tenth. I don't know what world you're living well, in. Well, you don't know where. No it decline. It will always be in the history books that he finished fifth. Yeah, he did. Unbelievable. What I'm saying is, I'm very happy with Arteta right now, and I and I'm happy with the future because I'm a patient football fan who understands you can't just win every year by shouting the loudest and thinking you've got the prettiest wife at home. It's not. It's not the way football works. What I'm saying to you is, actually. The shit that you all gave Wenger actually was maybe undeserved because all this slow decline narrative that well, the Wenger out. Gave, like, how dare we say, point out that, that that we're in a bit of a decline and that maybe you should go after twenty one years of manager but of the then club. By, but by your by your by your logic, we're That's in giving a, him if, shit. If, no, but if it was a deep I didn't fly decline, a banner. I'm not an Arsenal fan TV. You know, Boydo, Boydo, you have a platform and you have a microphone in in front in, in, in front of your in front of yourself right now, and that's res- with that comes responsibility. And so, what I'm saying to you is, when Dan Baldwin more than you, but mm. when I was defending Wenger and going, guys, finishing fifth is tricky. It's hard. It is, and you're like, no, get rid of him. 
we want a new manager. And now here we are. If that was a deep decline, what is today? Why is today when we are 10th and we are out of the FA Cup and we are not in Champions League football? Why is today acceptable? But back then when we were winning FA Cups and finishing second, third, fourth, and one year fifth and one year sixth, why is that not acceptable? I'm not saying Arsene should be the manager today. I am happy with, with Mikel Arteta. I am patient. I didn't want him out when, when people on this podcast were saying him out. I'm excited about the new, young, exciting players, especially the English ones who are at the club. I'm also excited about the experienced players who are at the club. I'm not complaining about today. I want to make that clear. I like where we are today and I'm happy to be patient. What I'm annoyed about is the ungrateful people who would moan and bitch about Wenger, who disrespected him, and now are incredibly silent about the fact that we're tenth. And now it's a new dawn and it's a future and it's not in decline. Whereas Wenger, if he was the manager of this team right now and we were tenth and we had lost to Wolves and we had lost to Villa and we had that terrible run a few months ago, you guys would be out on the street with your <laughs> your signs and it would be brutal there would be a bloodbath and that's what annoys me I don't know who the you guys are. I mean, maybe, but it's such a weird. Uh, it's, such a, it's just a. It's just a weird point of discussion. Anyway, even Josh is telling us to stop. But you know, the the, the only the only logical conclusion is that you wanted him to carry on. Obviously, he hasn't carried no, on. We've had subsequent I managers just, since. Then. No, he's been clear on that. I'll step in here, but I think we probably do need a break, Boyder. And listen, I'm being clear on that. I'm. I'm also. I'm also just, I'm just, listen, you've invited me back on. I just want to remind you about some of our conversations. It's only out of love. Oh, I'm, I'm delighted to remind you of our conversations to remind you of what I actually thought. Yeah. Anyway, let's have a break and we'll talk more about current Arsenal and this current manager and our current situation after this. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break. So, Ben, let's just talking about like looking at Arteta, right? What did you think? The fact that he's got us out of that terrible period where some people were calling for his head. Um, I think possibly, and I do, and I still put more importance on, on the Millsmith row playing instead of, instead of William, for example, as being very important in that. Do you think, but the fact he's still, for example, putting William on as a substitute in that game that we won. And I, and I, I think I can listen to hear people complaining that on, on the, you know, we should be very positive, but the one negative for me was that substitution which was like, well, Martinelli's there. You could play Martinelli. Pepe, Pepe's there. Pepe. You're still bringing William on. I don't I mean, get it. But there must be something that we don't know. That's, I'm, I always, tr I'm a very trusting person, as you can see, still yes. from my love for Arsene. I'm a very trusting person. And so I feel like, I, I, I don't quite understand it. Is it that he's, is it that he's showing something in training that he's just not showing 
on the pitch? Is it that, that Arteta believes he's a confidence player and therefore we will get the best out of him and sitting him on the bench and reducing him to watching kids like Pepe and, and Martinelli play won't be right? Um, I, I, I think Mikel Arteta is an intelligent man. I think he knows things that we don't know. And there must be a reason that, truthfully, I cannot fathom what it is, but, isn't but, it, I, but, yeah, but it was an incredibly weird moment when we saw him come on and he added literally, once again, he added absolutely nothing to it. But maybe it's such a big investment that they've made well, yeah. That, yeah. that they want it to work. But then if that was the case, then actually you'd be putting Pepe on because Pepe is a bigger investment and it's more important for the future. And if that was his mentality, you, he would have backed Ozil. If it's about... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, if that is yeah. Arteta's mentality of saying, we need to back the expensive players because they're the ones that we want, then, may, then but, but he didn't do that with Ozil. I can't quite understand it. I really hope it comes right, but I don't see how it will. But he didn't buy Ozil or Pepe, did he? This is the difference, I think. He bought... He bought William. He went out, apparently, so they say, and asked for William. He absolutely went out. He, he was determined to bring William in. And I think everyone knows that. Everyone, and I think it's I think it's ego. I think all managers, and I include Arsene Wenger in this, I include every man, I include, you know, Jose Marino, I mean the biggest of them all. But ego is often for me the explanation of a weird decision that they make. And it's often the flaw. Oh. And, and for me, it's the hill that he may well die on, Arteta. And I hope he fucking doesn't. But if he keeps doing this, even if we're winning games 4-2 or whatever, and we're playing really well, if he's going to bring Willie on every game and find a way for him, I think this this time particularly, it was like, right, we, I think we were 4-1 up at the time, weren't we? I think he just thought, right, this is my chance to give William this guy that everyone's slagging off, just to him to show that he can do something in a game. We're winning by three clear goals. It'll be fine. He can't do any harm. He may even get a goal or make an assist, and it's going to all come good in the everyone will forgive me i think you know i'm literally i was like i thinking that's what the thinking was about this particular substitution and it's and and managers who buy players have to give them the chance especially when you're paying them 200 grand a week or whatever it is and and it's and it could and it could be the hill that he dies on it really worries me that it's brilliant i think because i think he's got the tactics right now i think he's got the team selection right he's back in the mill smith row and he's got the best young player in the league in Saka and all that Odegaard looks decent. We'll talk about him in a minute. But I think this fucking obsession with finding game time for William is a real but, problem. I mean, when he's Gosh. made the substitution just after an hour, we're 4-1 up. We've been playing really well. You know, arguably look like we're going to score more goals. He's He must just be hoping that something changes. He puts him on. It's an open game. There's going to be opportunities that he gets an assist, that he gets a goal. Yeah. He must just be desperately yeah. hoping it changes. Because if you look at when he's actually last, like let's say started him, like beginning of the season, he was clearly, you know, intending to, to have him as an important part of the team. But then he was part of that horrendous run where the last three starts, Everton away, we lost. Burnley at home we lost, Tottenham away we lost, and before that, Wolves at home we lost. So there was just this run of games where he was going, and it had to change. He had to pull him out, and he's done nothing to get back in. And and I, it does, I feel like, Ben, I don't know, where does this change? At what point does he play him, and he plays his way back into the team? I think that your view, Boyd, about the ego of a manager not wanting their players to fail is a really interesting one. And on paper, I think that that might be right, is that you've backed a guy, you, you, you've said, go for it, and you've got to make it work. And he might be right. Let's not forget, he might, he might be right. Willian may came, come good. 
I hate to speculate because who knows? And like I always say, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. There was clearly something strange that happened at Arsenal with Kia, what's his surname? The, the agent? yeah. Kia Jurapshian. I'm sure you've spoken about this on the pod before. He is the agent of Cedric, of Willian, and of David Luiz. All three players who got signed in 2019. Kia, Kia and Raul clearly had a great relationship. And suddenly, Raul gets fired, even though everyone thought at the time he was Mr. Arsenal, he was running things, he was, he was literally the boss. And suddenly he goes straight after he's made that deal. So that, if we're speculating, and again, we know nothing, I'm not speaking from fact in any way, but mm. that would insinuate that actually maybe Mikel Arteta wasn't that keen on Willian, and this was an arrangement that Raul brought in three players from this agent at incredibly high prices, and then they get them there, and they look at Cedric, who's done okay, but he's not of the level of, of an Arsenal player, I would say, today. I think that's fair. Uh, you look at Willian, who has clearly not performed, and you look at David Luiz, who splits people. He's Marmite. Some people think the experience, the, 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 the forward passing um, is fantastic. Others think he's a liability. I actually like him. I, I, I think that, yes, he's, he, he, he is a mistake every four games, but then the other three, he's terrific, and he's a leader, yeah. and I think you need yeah. leaders on football pitches. But regardless, they are three players who Arsenal fans will debate over. It's not a slam dunk. We're not talking about Emeril Rowe or Saka or Tierney or, or Leno, who people just adore. And so therefore, you've got three players with the same agent who's close to the director of football. I think that was his title in Raul. And then something happens and Raul gets fired straight after those deals in a really brutal way with no real statement about it. Yeah. So clearly, something happened that we don't all know about. Um, and we're now left with, you know, these three players, one of which we like and two of which we're not really sure on. Um, I'm not saying it's Paul Lederson, John Jensen days, <laughs> but I'm saying it's a bit strange. Yeah, uh, it's strange. Yeah. It is strange. And so, you know, I think that you could even be arguing, you know, I, 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 I heard a rumour from a source <laughs> that actually William, there was a club who came in for William abroad and they might be looking to buy him. No facts in this whatsoever, total speculation. But you could maybe go and, well, Arteta is trying to play him almost to audition him. We are 4-0 oh up, we so. are 3-0 up, and actually Arteta is playing him to show this other team that maybe they should be taking this player. We never really know what's going on. I think you have to say, do I trust the manager? Do we trust Mikel Arteta? I would say yes. And so therefore, we have to look at it and go, well, so be it. That's what we're doing. And hopefully he's got the right ideas for the football club because he's a bright, intelligent manager who clearly is not somebody who just goes on instincts. He clearly goes on video reviewing and stats. And, you know, he's not one of those managers who just does it by, it makes decisions of a gut. He makes decisions. He's a very bright guy. And so I think there might be something else there that we don't know. And if there was an American club or a China club, a Chinese club or something looking at, uh, looking at William right now, maybe they're trying to get him minutes to show that he is still a useful resource for them. And it's crazy that that's my thinking behind bringing on a player. Um, I love it. I love the idea. Potentially it is. Mm. Uh, oh, I mean, I hope, the, I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. I mean, to, to be fair to William, I, 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 I still think Arteta was... I, I know what you mean about those three, three purchases. You're absolutely right for the same agent. It's all interesting. <laughs> but equally... One hears that Arteta was fully in favour of the William move, and you could see at the time bringing in a, bringing in a bringing in an experienced, you know, in theory, yeah. fairly we were happy about it. Yeah, we were. We, I was well fired. I think most fans are probably fine yeah. with it. You know, we're, let's be honest. We're always excited when we sign anybody. Well, like, that's I'm true. not saying that's, we were. I am always. We were 
I'm not yeah. saying we were popping open the fireworks, but anybody, yeah. Yeah. when Willian and David Luiz got signed the first time around for David Luiz, everyone was like, well, that's that's a sign of intention. You know, I don't think yeah. we felt like yeah. when we signed Sylvester and everyone was like, why are we signing Sylvester? Yeah, it wasn't a Sylvester. It wasn't Sylvester. You're right. Yeah. But what's weird is William played on the other side for Chelsea. He's still, so this is why I don't blame him too much because he's not, you know, he's been played on, on, on the different side, out wide. You know, he's a wide player and he hasn't really been, seemingly been brought to play in his natural position. So you can't, that is, that's just a weird element of the whole story. And I don't really know why Arteta does that. And I don't know why he did that. And I don't know why he played so many games in, in, in his, in, in, on the other side. It just seems bizarre. Now, of course, Saka is quite rightly occupying, occupying that wing and he's doing brilliantly and is surely young player of the year. And another reason why William is never going to get a starting game for Arsenal in the near future. So as I can tell, Josh. No, it's hugely exciting that, you know, Saka and, and presumably we'll have, you know, an England Euros to look forward to this summer. That's very exciting. I just wanted to talk about David Luiza because that was a story coming from today that obviously he's on this one year deal. And the story emerging today is that he's, he's going to get another deal. So I don't know if you're, are you pleased with that, Boyd? I mean, given, given the number of players that have left the club, it makes sense that they, they do need a few bodies in for next season. And he's done enough, hasn't I, he? When he's played, when he's played, yeah. he's done enough. I'm, I'm slightly on the fence about Luiz giving him another contract. I think, I think, as as Ben alluded to, I think there's a presence at the club. Like, after he was sent off in that game against Wolves, Wolves. and when he did the interview, I was, that's what I like about him. I think that interview was brilliant, and he was so eloquent and, you know, and smart, honest. Yeah, I think he's... A, and clearly, I think the, the players like him, love him, you know, whatever. Even when he fucks up, I think the players still like him. Um, so, on, from that point of view, yeah. But I still think with the one mistake every four games, which is about the level, if that turns into one mistake every two games, and when those mistakes are so calamitous and annoying, even against... Even on Saturday, right, there was a moment, wasn't there, where they had a rare attack. I think it was in the first half and he kind of gave the ball away and he was furious with himself and he was shouting and stamping his feet. He's a real like over, over the top figure, a personality. I think he, he wants to do too much. I think he like everything. It's like he made an incredible run, didn't he? In the as well, like which almost led to a goal. He ran it all the way into the penalty area and he thought, why is he doing that? Why is it? I mean, amazing on one level. Why is he, fumbling and giving the ball away in his own penalty on another moment. He just, everything's a bit much for me about him. And yet I kind of like him as an individual. I kind of like his presence. So if he's going to be an occasional starter, then I'm not too bothered. And if then it means, but I would be annoyed if then it means that Saliba doesn't get a chance to come back because Saliba by all accounts is doing really well in France. And I'd like to see him play for Arsenal. We did spend 30 million on him, you know, so that's an issue. Boydo, I just want to, I know we've got to look ahead to the Europa League. I mean, when, when Ben moved to live in America, the idea of Europa League football uh, wasn't even on the agenda due to Arsene Wenger getting us into the Champions League every year. I mean, never would Ben and I be leaving, you know, North London for a, a trip on a on a Thursday. But what, what are you thinking? I mean, well, it, I think you'll find that actually that's potentially... You idiot. <laughs> We didn't Say get, that again. We didn't get into the Champions League at the end of the Vega period, did we? I mean, so let's well, not forget only at the, that. Only at the very end, but we're not when Ben moved, uh, you know, to America oh, okay. five years ben ago. Ben moved to, yeah, okay, fine. Um, but just in terms of how and seriously are we... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's not forget. We're talking about when I was in the UK. And when I was in the UK, it was six or seven years ago, we were in the Champions League. And that's when I was arguing with you and Dan Baldwin. Oh, right. oh, yeah, you sure, were saying sure, Wenger sure. out. You sure. were saying yeah. Wenger out in the Champions League years. Just to say. Anyway, you carry uh, okay. on. That, that, that was the point I was making there. It was at that same time. You weren't happy. But I mean, how, how, how do you look at this now? Because the Europa League, it, it, it might be. I can just envisage. We get towards the end of the season. We're like eighth at best in the league. 
And it will be like our only hope of Europe might be, you know, bizarrely, it might almost feel like everything in getting into the Champions League by winning the Europa League or or nothing, you know, and it will be the first time no European football since, since the mid-90s. That must be as dangerous as it's ever been at the moment. Well, I don't think that's true because uh, I, I think this, 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 this season is going to go right to the wire. Boy, I think it's going to go right Man to the City wire. Man City and Leicester. We're getting, we're not winning both. You know, I just think, you know, we, we've got to be realistic. You, you know, it hasn't lot, been. No, 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 no. We've no, played no. everyone, Boyd, once no. and some teams twice. It's, it's accurate where we are. I'm not saying it's not accurate where we are. What I'm saying is we're literally six points off the top four as we speak. And I don't think you can say with six points off the top four that it's impossible that we qualify, that we finish seventh or sixth to qualify for the Europa League. I think it's just, I think that's as mad as saying we definitely will. I'm not saying we definitely will. I'm saying it's completely possible that as we speak, six points off the top four, two points behind Tottenham, who, you know, a minute ago were like going to win the league, remember? Um, and they have a game in hand. Don't they have a game that. in hand. All right, they have a game in hand. And we play them in a couple of weeks' time. So that's going to be a big, that's a big ninth place, six-pointer with uh, Tottenham. But one but thing also, is... Sorry to, sorry to, I don't mean to cut yeah. across, but I just, you, you've got to look at it in that, I know what you're saying, that we're 10th and two points behind. But if you look above us, the, the, the teams in ninth, eighth, seventh and sixth all have more games to play than we do. Everton and Villa have played 22 compared yeah. to our 24 and Chelsea yeah. have played 23. So truthfully, we've only played as many games as the top five and they are, but again, they're only six points ahead of us. So your, your point can still stand. I just think it's going to go to the wires. I'm saying. I think it, I think it'd be exciting. Yeah, I, I, again, you know, you take the piss of what we want, but I think it's exciting. I am excited by the prospect of us, you know, somehow getting into the Europa from what happened in the depths of this downward spiral period of the season. And at the same time, he has to kind of balance it, doesn't he? By picking, by, by yeah, trying to win the Europa as well and, by, and getting in the Champions League, that Champions League with that. So it's a tough one for him to prioritise. I'll be fascinated to see what team selection he goes for this Thursday against Benfica you know will he, does he is he going to kind of stick with that team especially with playing City on Sunday does he throw City assuming no one can beat City at the moment I don't know I mean it's all going to throw it obviously literally but does he focus more on the Europa I mean I'd quite like to see you know I'd be delighted to see um, you know different attacking options against Benfica um, and even, and I don't think it would weaken us a huge amount, you know, if he's playing Martinelli, for example, and Pepe and Lacazette, as opposed to Saka and Emil R- Smith-Rowe and Aubameyang. I don't think that's a huge negative. I don't think it's a huge, to, 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 as per Ben's point about the strength of our squad. I think attacking-wise, you think on paper we have got a strong squad, even though scoring goals has been a massive problem for us. So I think we're in for an exciting end to the season is what I'm fucking saying, Josh. Well, yeah, I understand. I mean, we've got this bizarre situation, don't we? We, we? we go to play in Rome, which is our away leg, and then we're at home in Athens. I, I mean, I presume it must just be money and TV money and broadcasting. This just feels a nonsense to make it two legs in, in this season. It feels, you know, incredibly uh, frustrating. Um, but yes, I don't know. We're, we're third, we're third favourites to win the Europa League. At, Who are the, the top you know, two favourites? Who are favourites to win it? Mm. The two teams that were above us are Man United, um, and then there was there's Tottenham. So you know, there's a, it's kind of seen as the English teams that are you know one of those three is is seen as the favourites. I know we have to wrap up soon, but I'm intrigued by this. I, li- I would like to ask Ben when you think about like world class managers like Mourinho, for example, and what's happening with him at Spurs, and what happened. I'm not saying Frank Lampard's a world Frank Lampard's a world class manager, but what happened to Frank Lampard at Chelsea, and now they've brought in you know Tuchel, who is you know in theory. Do, do you do you know what I mean? Arsenal stick with stick with the with our managers. I mean, you know, in Wenger's case, 21, 22 years. Emery was a blip. 
I'm saying they're definitely sticking with Arteta, aren't they? Despite those that certain people. Quit. Do you think, but do you look at the way those other teams work and that actually Chelsea have won loads of stuff with their incredible turnover of managers and coaches of recent years and think there is that other way of doing it? Or would you rather stick to the way we do it, the Arsenal way of doing it and sticking with Arteta? Even if, you know, even if we do finish 10th or 11th this season, well, you know, which is, you know, do you go, yeah, do you I mean, blame I, him? I, I, I'm all for giving. I'm all for giving managers a chance and giving managers time. And so I, I would just say though, I don't know if we know how Arsenal do it yet, because like I know mm. you're saying like Arsenal do, the Arsenal way, but I think Wenger was an anomaly. I think yeah. that that 21 years, I think that he was more powerful in a way than the new owners who had come in while he was in charge. And I don't think the new owners would have come in and gone. Hey, that guy who's been here for 20 years, we're getting rid of him. I think it was a, a very difficult decision for them to ultimately get rid of him uh, when they did. Unai Emery only had a year and a half. You could argue he's a proven manager at other levels. I'm not for a second saying we should have kept him. I, I felt very depressed when he was in charge of our football club. But I clearly think that was an instinctive maybe decision by them because there was nobody in place. You know, yeah. clearly when they fired Frank Lampard, they had the next manager lined up. We didn't, you know, yeah. we, you know, uh, 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 with Spurs and Mourinho. Yeah. When they got rid of yeah, um, Spurs, Spurs yeah. knew they were getting rid of Pochettino because they had Mourinho yeah. lined up. We didn't do that. Yeah. We got rid of right. a manager. We got rid of a manager and then had three or four weeks of Freddie. And then they were photographed outside of uh, <laughs> yeah. Arteta's house. Yeah. So clearly they fired him thinking, well, we'll be okay with Freddie for a while. So it wasn't something that was planned for a while. So that seems like it was an impulsive decision in a way it was the right decision if you ask me but so I don't know what the Arsenal way is yet I think we'll mm. have to see whether they stick with Arteta my personal view is they're going to stick with him for a while because I think that they feel like the future is in these younger players um, and I think that they feel that Arteta is the person who can coach those younger players to greatness and I hope and I think that they are right um, so I would hate to be in a club where you have a billionaire sitting at the top who on a whim seems to just get rid of Frank Lampard and get rid of the next one and get rid of the that one. Um, I think Tottenham made a mistake getting rid of Pochettino. I think that I, I breathed a huge sigh of relief when they got rid of him because I think they were onto something. How you can go from the Champions League final to having a mediocre season and then getting rid of somebody, I, I think is bonkers. I was full of fear when they got Mourinho, but actually the three-season cycle of Mourinho exploding, luckily, has only taken a season and a half. Yeah, but that's a real relief. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think I, I hope that we stick with Arteta for a while. Um, but let's see, you know, let's see where we where we go. If we finish tenth this season or we finish ninth this season, we're out of the FA Cup. We don't win the Europa then I think it will be the most depressing finish in a long time with our most talented squad. And I think questions will be asked. Um, but, mm. you know, I, I feel like there is enough positivity around the football club right now, even though we are in the position that we're in, that we should be sticking for, with him for some time and, and see where we go. And do you, think we, where, do you think we will finish like ninth, tenth? Or do you think we could finish seventh, sixth, seventh? I feel like... I feel like we're, we're, we're just showing huge inconsistency at the moment and it's very troubling to me. It's troubling to me that you don't know which Arsenal is going to show up. Is it the Arsenal that's going to just be sensational and keep the ball and be confident and pop balls around and Obama Yang just feeling like he's on top of the world or is it going to be the Arsenal that looks full of fear? And truthfully, until you're five minutes into a game, we don't know mm. and we've got to get better at that. And, and, and my, I, I'm confident because I actually think the squad's great. 
And I think that's what matters. And I look at that squad and I think all through the squad, we've got real talent. And, and, and I believe that toe-to-toe, we can beat anyone. It wouldn't shock me if we did beat Man City next week. It wouldn't. I think we have that ability in us. I think if Aubameyang turns up, Sabayas turns up, Thomas Partey stops being injured. Kieran Tierney and Saka on either wing. Leno is our goalkeeper. You know, great performances for me. The Gabriel Luiz holding. You know, I think there is lots to be excited about at our football club. And I also just want to say as we're rounding this off, when I was goading you earlier about Wenger, please don't get me wrong. That isn't because I'm not excited about what's, what's happening on the field right now at our football club. And I want to say on the field. On the field. Because I think that that is very exciting happening there. And and that's, it's not me going, oh, I wish Wenger was in charge and oh, the good old days. I'm not, I wasn't, I was just, you know, people wrote checks and I'm, and I remember them and I'm cashing (laughs) them today. When you were saying, you know, when, when, when Dan and I were arguing on this specific podcast in the years that we were finishing third and second, we weren't arguing the years that we were finishing fifth and sixth. I wasn't on the podcast back then. I'd already lived in America. I'm talking about the years we were always in the top four and we had huge standing rows on this podcast as a three. And I would be saying, I don't know what you're wishing for. Well, be careful what you wish for because this is it. Now, granted, I think that there are lots of positives and I'm excited about what this team on the field will bring us. Um, we'll but I, on, I, I don't want to be negative. I, yeah, I'm really we'll not being negative. We'll get down on to defend position. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's incredible. So I think it's incredible. With Saka particularly, like, Saka's like a one-man excitement machine. He's like oh, unbelievable, isn't unbelievable. it? I think with, with him, Emil Smith-Rowe, I'm, I'm almost as equally excited about, um, and Tierney. Yeah, those players, <laughs> fucking hell, yeah. I mean, those, 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 that could be the spine. If Gabriel does as well as, you know, he's had a dodgy couple of weeks, but he looked really good. I thought he looked really good against... Um, against uh, who do we play the weekend Leeds um you know I th- yeah I think I- I'm excited I'm excited about it. Josh you look very excited no well absolutely but we should just possibly predict the uh yes. you know what, what we think I just you know Ben said it wouldn't surprise me if we were Man City I-, I think sadly I'm not trying to be negative it, w- it would surprise me I think that in every department they are they are far superior to us at the moment and they are on an incredible run and for everyone going about how this is the most extraordinary unpredictable season they are going to romp to the title with 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 half a dozen games left and is probably that got... they don't have an opposition yeah Liverpool. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah ways, but yeah but then look at any point in any season to have won the amount of consecutive premier league games yeah. they now have would be would be really impressive so i just uh, you know i'm not and, and it won't matter we, we're not going to not get into europa league qualification for man city coming and, and beating us um this weekend but you know for all talking about you know holding gabriel or louis whoever plays said about having good games they are not on the level of of the man, you know, Ruben Diaz and uh, Laporte and John Stones and, you know, the way Zinchenko's been playing of late and Cancelo, you know, they are just miles ahead of us and that's fine. So I think we will get beat on Sunday, probably 2-0, but, you know, um, I, I fancy us to uh, to get a, a nice draw in Europe and set us up for the, uh, for the second leg. So I think one all against this Benfica side who are, not in great form. I did a little bit of research, not a lot, Boyd. Uh, one one win in six in the league for Benfica, fourth in the in the Portuguese top flight. They've got a couple of players. We'll know Vertonghen uh, is um, is. Uh, I don't mean Vertonghen, do I? I mean, uh, yeah, I do mean Vertonghen and Otamendi, the former Man City defender, both uh, central defence for them. So I don't know. That's my prediction, Boyd. One all draw, and then we're going to get beat two nil by City. The City defence, right, just before, yeah, is incredible, isn't it? They have scored, they have only let in 
14 goals, which is 10 goals oh. better than the next closest best defence. It's extraordinary. It's um, miles ahead. They're miles they are ahead. a machine and, now. They are a machine now. I mean, I know what Ben means, but I would be surprised if we if we if we beat them. I would be incredibly surprised, and it'll be the greatest one of the greatest moments in recent football history. But but we're capable of it. We are capable of being them. I think that's the point, isn't it? With with players, I, I actually think you said they're better in every single department. I actually think, in some ways, Saka is the, is the player who would get in their team right now. I think he would. You know, uh, he'd be the one for me. I don't know, I you think, know, it's got extraordinary players there. You yeah, know, but, have to score every week. Foden, you know, Sterling, Gabriel. I don't know. I think I think, I think he's playing be better the, than Sterling. I think he's playing better than Sterling is right now. I'd say that. Even I know Man City are an absolute machine, but I've watched every game they play, and Sterling is, is Sterling isn't like as amazing, quite as amazing as he has been at various times. Whereas Saka is is fucking incredible right now. So, I uh, in terms of that game. I think we are gonna. I might predict a draw just for the sheer fucking hell of it. A two-all draw, and I think we'll beat Benfica one-nil. I think it'll be close. But Ben, what do you think? Benfica, I don't know because I because genuinely you never know with Arsenal in a in a weird ground and European yeah. night. Don't know who he's going to play for a Thursday for a Sunday game. I actually don't know about Benfica. I imagine we'll win the Benfica game. Man City, we're going to win two-one. Whoa, love it. I think we're going to win two one. I think I think Arteta's decent on those. In the, he showed us in the FA Cup final, yeah. the yeah. Community Shield games, he showed us that he can tactically set up to win those bigger matches. It's actually yeah. the Wolves and the Villas that scare me more than the Man Cities, and uh, you know that that's where I found positivity this season in that we found our spine occasionally when we really needed it. You yeah. know, and so if you look at that Chelsea game that ended our terrible run. It was, it was the Chelsea game, I think, that ended our run, I think, if I've not got it in a second. That was a game that no one could have predicted we'd win. Yeah, yeah. But we were yeah. at home and we set up well and, we, and, and we, we can perform. And I think right now that leads four goals, Aubameyang on confidence, everybody being involved in that third goal to an incredible, an incredible performance. Um, I actually think that sometimes when teams are riding high like Man City, it's the times that you can just sneak a victory and mm. I actually think that tactically we'll be set up Arteta versus Pep uh, listen I'm, uh, if, if you had both gone for a win I probably would have gone for a loss but I have a feeling that, that we could do it on, uh, on Sunday and um, wow. I'm looking forward to it even though it'll be 8.30 in the morning although I have to say the one decent I was so the last five years of living out in LA I've been so I've been so missing going to games. It's been really tr- t- difficult that I'm sat there at 4am, 8am, 9.30, watching these games on the TV. The only good thing about this is the stadium's empty now. We're all doing it. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. at home. Yeah. I don't feel as bad anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, I miss it so much. James, by the way, James Corden must be fucking thrilled about West Ham. What a season. Oh, thrilled. West Ham. He's thrilled. He's absolutely uh, thrilled. And James Longman, they're, they're off. Yes. Corden's office is just the other side of this wall. And yeah, Longman yeah. is the other side of the other wall. And I hear when West Ham are playing and they suddenly... I suddenly the celebrations in these corridors when West Ham are playing at the moment oh, it's it's euphoric. They're playing, playing right now and into the top four. So uh, here's my question to you both. Mm. Here's a here's a question that I've wondered if you two have an opinion on. I know we're running over, but I wanted to ask it. Who's Albert, our assistant manager, on the phone to every game? Who's our never, assistant manager on the phone to? <laughs> he's always on the phone. He's yeah. always got his AirPod in one AirPod. 
Yeah. What happened to Ray? I mean, he's never not got an AirPod in. Is, is it just like a, a street thing? Is it just like, <laughs> is it just like I'm thing. just wearing it in case, you know, like those geeks who, when Bluetooth came out, mm. they always used to wear it in their own case they got a call. He yeah. can't be on the radio to somebody in the stands because then you'd have a radio system. It would work a lot better and it'd be clamped to his ear. He's, he's Albert has never not got one AirPod in his ear. That's fascinating, yeah. Could know. it be? The Can physio? we ask our listeners to let us know if we, if we don't you, know? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that he's you, never uh, yeah. got an I have noticed Just it, one. yeah. Just one. Yeah. Never to, and he's never talking to anybody. He always looks concerned. He always looks like, you know, there's important business to be doing. Yeah. He's, very, he's yeah. very stereotypical number two. He he's always number very two. serious. He's got a good number two face, yeah. He's got a good number two face. Like, yeah, I know everyone's celebrating, but now we have yeah. to do this. Or like, yeah, yeah I'm not going to, I'll fist pump you, but I'm serious because right now I'm on the phone. Yeah. I'm on hold do right they get, now. Here's my, okay, one possibility. Do they get, are they allowed access to the Stokely Park, wherever it is, Stokely Park, you know, VAR? No. Thing? No. no? No, but the, but the commentators are. No, private no, it's not. No, the commentators hear that conversation. So they talk about it. The commentators literally talk you through the conversations as it's happening. They're like, oh, no, he's well, been told no, to go to the monitor. He's there's like, no way. There's no way that's what he's listening to. But what I don't understand is if it was somebody in the stands, he would have a radio like every other football club. And he has an AirPod and it's a smaller. It's not one. I don't even think it's one of those noise cancelling ones. So I'm surprised that. He can hear who he's on the phone to. And how does he have mobile reception? I don't know. I just think the whole thing, it's always baffled me. And I just suddenly... Oh, I mean, mobile reception is a big mystery. Well, it's probably easier to get mobile reception at the moment at the stadium. Yeah. I agree with you, but why wouldn't you just have a radio? And and Josh, the reason why I thought of it is Josh is wearing AirPods today and he suddenly looked like Albert, our assistant manager, because he was looking very (laughs) concerned. He was looking very concerned when I said we were going to win. And so I suddenly thought, well, yeah. he might know the reason. Maybe you're on the phone to Albert, Josh. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe. No, Are you, not, you maybe... you're not even using any AirPods at all. What, I don't know what miracle of sound and uh, technology you're using, Ben. Just a laptop, mate. I've opened my laptop and that's it. Just sounds, no just microphone. Like sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds better than me of these fucking expensive headphones and... Um, and uh... I don't think... It, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't. I, I don't. I just literally opened my laptop. And it I sounds. It sounds very good to me. Well, I'm glad that it's. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad. We're glad, despite your um, epic rant about the perfectly justifiable rant about the uh, the Vengi years and all that. It's been a joy to have you as ever. It's been so nice. I'm sorry if I came at it too aggressively. Oh no, no, no! I love the aggression. We can take it's it. It's not aggression. It's passion. Never call passion. it passion. You call it aggression yourself. I know, <laughs> so you I know, I regret yourself too. That's brilliant. I regret um, That's brilliant. Um, uh, thank you so much for, for, for coming on. So you haven't got a show today because it's President's Day. It's, pre- it's bank holiday here. Right. Yeah, right. I am, uh, I'm, I'm working on other things today, non-late, late shows. Okay. okay. I'm catching up with all the other work that we're up to. Of course. Fair enough. And um, cheers, Josh. It's been a joy. And uh, we'll see what happens at the weekend. We'll see what happens with the two games coming up. So we'll be Thanks back. This time. We'll be back. Thanks for having oh, me back. Um, it's lovely pleasure. seeing you both. It's a Great. joy. And I really enjoy listening to your podcast. And I listen to it sometimes on my drive into work and out of work late at night. And I uh, and then I Furious. ramble into a voice note and send you a response on our WhatsApp group. So thank yeah. you for, uh, for inviting me back. It's a joy. It's a Cheers, boost to, to life. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks a lot. And we'll be back next week. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.